Welcome back to the Ryan Chrissy Podcast. I am Ryan Chrissy. For episode four, I have a very special guest, uh, special to me. His name is Bobby Bennett. Coach Bennett, uh, I have known for a very long time, uh, for upwards of 20 years. Coach uh, was my offensive line coach uh, when I was in high school at Glenbard West High School. And uh, I ended up coaching for him when he was the head coach at St. Francis in Wheaton, Illinois. And then he ended up coaching for me when I became the head coach at, uh, at, at Glenbard South. Uh, I appreciate his honesty and I appreciate his effort he gave in, uh, in, in the interview because he was a bit apprehensive to do it. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to get people out of their comfort zone. And, and, and Coach Bennett is, has a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he has positively impacted hundreds of young men and young people along the way. Uh, he's a very passionate man. Uh, in, in a lot of aspects of his life, whether it's his politics, it's, if it's his faith, education, and especially football. Um, and uh, every, every stop that Coach has, has had on, uh, along the way, he's made an impact in people's lives. Um, and here he, he gives some, some great perspective and knowledge, whether it's coming from X's and O's or communicating with kids, creating a program, establishing yourself, and and all the do's and don'ts that, that go in between. I'd like to thank everybody uh, for tuning in. Please remember to give me a rating on uh, whichever podcast app you use to listen to your podcast. Give me that rating and please send me a review. I greatly appreciate it. And enjoy the interview with Coach Bobby Bennett. Coach Bennett, welcome to the Ryan Chrissy Podcast. How you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be here. Are you? Uh, I am for you. It's, uh, I get a little antsy about something like this. Uh, you know, us old people aren't into technology so much, but uh, just talking to you is, is a very easy thing. I, uh, I'm glad they have internet down in, uh, down in your part of the country that you're in. Yes, <laughs> I know. It's hard to believe, but we do have that. So the, so, uh, yeah. so, uh, so, so life, life has been changing for you the last, uh, the, the last year or so, huh? Yeah, just um, not coaching this year. Don't know if I'll coach again. Just um, decided with Danny going off to Purdue and us being empty nesters, we probably last February, March, decided we're going to travel this summer with the boys. And then I just wanted to travel this fall because for 31 falls, yeah. Uh, doing football and you know how passionate and how much I love that but I was like I'd like to go travel and so we've hit 11 hit nine national parks in the month of September out west in Utah and everything and wanted to go to an army game this year up there but don't think that's going to happen because of COVID and just a great venue I think from everyone I've ever spoken with to uh you know to go watch a football game and so it doesn't look like we're going to get to do that, but we're getting ready to go to the Smoky Mountains to our 12th National Park this year and uh, in a week or so for a week or 10 days. And that's been real good. Yeah, so, I'm, 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 I'm jealous, as I've told you before. I mean, that sounds, that sounds incredible. And then to give, to give people a little background, 31 years of, of coaching football at various levels. Um, yep. You know, and and uh, I, I know I know Mrs. Bennett. She I taught I taught with her for for a number of years. But before I taught taught her, she was just Mrs. Bennett, coach's wife. 
And uh, why, why don't we why don't we kind of start start from uh, you know give give people a little, little paint a little picture here. So you you actually come from uh, come from the hills of Tennessee, East Tennessee. That's a lot different than West Tennessee. So yes, <laughs> uh, East Tennessee boy went to the University of Tennessee, like an office GA for about a year and a half there under Coach Fulmer, and uh, got a little taste of Division One football, and uh, and just decided not coach because of the hours and the little money back then that has surely changed but eventually had it moved up to uh illinois and uh got to meet some football players from winton college and they got me an interview with coach bishop and uh, got me my first football job for four years and uh probably the greatest man i've ever known uh, hmm. just the most incredible man and um you know, he's not doing as well these days, and uh, but uh, couldn't have started out at a better place under a better person who really, who helped me grow and, uh, and challenged me and uh, just, you know, you owe so much to the people like that in your life. And um, yeah, just the greatest man and greatest experience. Uh, so the, uh, now that's, that's the same as that Bishop Dullahan Camp, yeah, correct. Bishop Delahan, that was so big for many, many years. Him and Dick Delahan uh, ran. They, you know, started here in Indiana, and uh, where he started his coaching, and then moved up to Naperville Central for a year, and coached Sean Payton, and then went to huh. Wheaton College after that. <laughs> what a crazy world! And uh, so, yeah, and because of those football players, uh, they got me the interview. I went in and talked to him, and it was, um, yeah, it was just great, and. Uh, you know, one of your regrets in life, not just coaching, but just not staying in touch with people. You know, we're consumed as coaches, especially during the season. And that season is basically turned a year around now, as, as you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, just having the energy or the time to stay in touch with some of those people, uh, that's probably one of the things, you know, I don't know if I regret it. I just wish – I would have done, you know, stayed in touch with a few people like that because I sure. uh, just can't say enough about him and his influence. And the, uh, the small world of football, just like life and football. So, so uh, cyclical and, 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 you know, circular. I have coach Bishop's son, Keith Bishop, <laughs> who I coached with, who you coach, <laughs> who you coach with is, is my, uh, is my quarterback's coach for the program. And he's a, He's a great guy, and he could still sling it if he had to. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, and he – there's a great story on him. I'll just say it quick. He was on the, the Bears uh, when they went on strike, and uh, he ended up um, making money and getting playoff money and never took a snap of football. And it was like in uh, – was one of the magazines back then. So, you know, he would laugh about that and everything. But what a great experience for him – but, I mean, he threw the ball around in college for his dad, I think about 10,000 yards. And, wow. Uh, I'm sure he can still throw it around. <laughs> so, uh, I, I never had the chance to meet Coach Bishop. Why, why did he have such, a, such an impact on you as, uh, as a young man and as a young coach? Just the greatest Christian man I've probably I've known. He's just, you know, God is first, his family. Uh, and, and just the gentlest soul but yet passionate about football and we're talking 1989 to 92 and uh 
you know, he's kind of ahead of his time. I think he loved to throw the football and we would have discussions about, I like to run and throw. I like to eat up the clock some. He's like, I want to score as many times as I possibly can. Why would you not want to score the most points that you could possibly score? He goes, that's a good thing. And I said, and I would say, well, I like to, to keep it away from the other team some too. But uh, that was, you know, he was doing that long before people were throwing it around and, and trying to score and score and score. And, uh, you know, that they ran that Bishop Dullahan passing camp for over 40 years. And it, it's not what it used to be. But, uh, but at one point, I mean, kids from every school in the area, you know, was going to Bishop Dullahan. It was really an outstanding uh, camp. So from so when did you get into when did you get into education? Was that during Wheaton College or after? I, I started I started going to school part time. I did you know I had a business degree from Tennessee, and once I started coaching, it just I love being around young people. And I said you know I, if I got to work, I want to do something that I love to do, and just being with kids, you know, and in the classroom, being with the kids, and you know always wanting to guide them in the right direction and. And, you know, uh, I just enjoyed going to school every day and teaching and being with the kids. You just, you know, um, it was just, it was the thing I, I enjoyed doing. So it took me a few years and finally I got my certification in um, probably 95. Uh, and, and after that, I went in, I started, I'd gone to North Central College for a couple of years with a coach, Bill Mack, another probably the most intellectual football coach I've ever met in my life. I mean, he is a true intellect. And uh, so I learned a whole lot. I use a lot of phrases you've heard me use, coaching you and you coaching for me and, and then me coaching for you. And, uh, but I used, boy, his, you know, a hit's not a tackle. Uh, hit's not a block. <laughs> uh, you know, accelerate through contact, um, you know, Block, tackle, hang on the football. Those are just those are things that stuck with me for my whole career. But uh, absolutely, the brightest, most intellectual football coach, um, and a passion for the game to learn. When he was a master of running, you know the the option, you know the ace formation with two tight hips and and running option and throwing the football. He really, um, and, and he had a big impact on Kerry Grove and. Prairie Ridge on those teams also with with their their type of wing tee. He was really he impacted a lot of people in the football community. The uh, the you know I guess the the big thing with comparing business to to the education world or you know the the co curricular world of 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 the education world is those relationships and you know to give a little background to people I've known Coach since I was seventeen maybe sixteen. Yeah, so so I was. Yeah, I mean, it was 2000 football season. Yeah, so I was so I was 17. So that's going on 20 years, and um, and uh, you know, still still have that relationship. And I know you have a lot of relationships with with past players and, and coaches. And why don't you speak to that just for a minute about you know how do you how do you go about establishing relationships with with kids? And you did it 20 25 years ago compared to your most recent season? How, how has that changed? What, what's important? What isn't important? Uh, you know what? One thing that hasn't changed is kids want to be coached. And I think they want to be pushed. Uh, let, let's just face it. You have to be gentler coaching today than you did 
20, 25 years ago, but I don't know that I ever did that much different, but you know, and you know that, I mean, I think I scared the crap out of you when I first started coaching you, but I think <laughs> once you got me, you got me. Is that a fair yeah, statement? Absolutely. And so I, I don't, I love football because it, it gives you the chance to impact kids' lives and it's hard. I mean, it's a grind. And I'm one of those guys who love to go home and prep and game plan and watch film and then get on the field the next day and coach. And as you well know, when you were in charge of me, I, you would have to cut me off from practicing and I didn't like it at times. Uh, and, and most of the time I was joking, but I would practice longer than most people because I, I love the grind. I love being there. I, I love that maybe more than the games, you know, sure. uh, the games are exciting and fun, but you get to practice a whole lot more than you get to play games and you're with the kids. And, and when you can get a kid to tell you, you made me a lot better than I thought I could be. That's, that's what I enjoyed uh, so much. But again, you coaches, it's the camaraderie. There's, it's the greatest sport ever invented. And I love basketball first as a kid. But it just, it takes more people, it takes more players, more coaches, more help from administration, more work for the fewest amount of games. It beats you up physically, emotionally. And I just would, and you know, I'd say it's like life, man. It's like life. It's going to beat you up. And you got, either you're going to get up and fight every time you get knocked down or you can lay down and quit because that's what life is going to do to you. And if you get through what we're doing, you're going to be better prepared. And I, I know that. I mean, I know that happened with me when I played. Absolutely. So that's, that's, and all those relationships of like-minded coaches and players and, and, you know, you believe in that, that work ethic. I'm a blue collar guy. Let's, let's go to work. If you, if you don't, you're not going to succeed in anything you choose to do, whatever the vocation is, it carries over to every. And another thing I preach, you know, my parents got divorced when I was four and I had a number of stepbrothers and stepparents over the years and I you know I preached to you guys my whole career put your family first and work hard and, and make sure they're taken care of and that probably as much as anything uh, has pushed me to just say guys you're not gonna love every day of your marriage but you don't give up on it because you know what who loses your kids sure so that, that that's a big driving force and uh, I married someone who, who is a saint. <laughs> yes, yes, she is. Yes, she is. And a, and a good cook, too. Very good cook. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, in, in, in it's, uh, you know, I look at when, I mean, shoot, I, I started coaching for you at Francis when I was 19. Yeah, it was and, great. And, it now, great. and now 18 years later, you know, six, uh, whatever, if we want to count whatever's going on as a season. Six you know, point something. Six point, you know, six point something as, as a head coach. You know, it's, it's interesting. The kids, you're right, kids really haven't changed. Kids haven't changed. Um, you know, I think the world around us is changing. That's, that's really evident. But well, at Lombard South, you've done a great job, Ryan, of balancing the whole race thing, the whole different culture thing. With you know, because I coached for you for three years there, and uh, and, and just that it was a nice thing, man. Our kids get mad, get in fights, and then so yeah. Chrissy makes them jog around the field arm in arm for 
after practice, and guess what? Then <laughs> and it's over. And you know, I don't know that we're allowed to do that stuff so much anymore. But uh, you know, it's okay for them to fight as long as they make up. Sure. And and it was just that was it was a nice thing with you know I don't know if I've been at a more culturally diverse place to coach than at South, and it was really it was you know it was great. You just you're dealing with all these and football is a melting pot to bring. Oh all different types of backgrounds together. You know what? You have a goal and you work hard, try to win and all that stuff just kind of disappears, you know, for that period of time. And that's a beautiful thing. Well, you know, it's, it's, I go back to, you know, the big, you know, I would say spring, late spring, early summer, you know, after the joy, the George Floyd um, murder, I started thinking about how my kids were feeling and talking to a lot of my, a lot of my, my, my black athletes, a lot of my brown athletes that were really upset about it. And the one thing I shared with them was that, that short essay by Bill Curry called The Huddle. Oh, yeah. and, and, and every time I listen to it, I get teary-eyed because I think, about my, I think about my huddle. And I think about the players that make up each side of the ball or whether you're on special teams and literally the way they look in their backgrounds – and, 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 and you, you have to identify who those kids are and their backgrounds might be different. Culturally, they might be different. Their values may be different. But when it comes down to one thing, we got it all in common. It's going to be that next play. Yeah, and, and your teammates. And it's not about the color of your skin or how much money mommy or daddy makes or doesn't make. And that's, you know, my high school, when back in East Tennessee, back in the late 70s, uh, I mean, we had the SWAT team in our building my freshman year, literally with guns mm. because of the riots at my school, because we were a third black. But by my senior year, because of all of us football players that played together, you know, the black kids and the white kids, we became friends. And when there was trouble at school, we really got, we got rid of it, you know, because there was such a relationship. Uh, and again, just another example of how sports in general uh, I'm a little partial to football because I just believe the physical part of football, no other sports like it in that sense that, and you get beat up and, yeah. and, and it's life, that's life, man. And are you going to lay down and quit or are you going to get up and fight every day? And, uh, but yeah, uh, I guess I've enjoyed coaching, you know, minorities or economically, diverse groups for a, a big part of my career. And I wanted to do that because you want to make an impact on some of those kids' lives who never had a chance, you know, at Easter or for three years because of Kurt Becker. Yeah. Just a great guy, just a, a great leader and motivator. And uh, in our, our victories, we told our kids are not on Friday night because they weren't going to happen very often. You know, we're playing Nequa Valley and Wabonzi and, and, and these big schools. And we were a big school, but football, going to class was a victory, we told them. Not being late to class, not being late to football. And, and we were, you know, we, our expect, expectations never changed. But here was how the toughest and probably the most fulfilling coaching of my career is game nine, year one, we dressed 18 players. Mm. Year two, week nine, we dressed 28 players year three we might have won two or three games in those two years year three week nine we dressed 50 players not injured players not people 
you know, we'd have 70, 75 kids come out, but we weren't changing the rules for them. But we eventually got kids to buy in. And week nine, our third year, 50 kids dressed for the last game of the year. So it was hard, but man, it was, it was, it was awesome too. And now Coach Kukoc started with Kurt and us. And God, one game away from the playoffs this year, just, you know, so excited for them and that program that it's really come a thousand miles. And, uh, but I look back at that, that was success. That wasn't about wins and losses. That was about getting kids to buy into a culture that's going to affect them the rest of their life. Well, I think that's the big thing is that you look at it, you know, and, and you've been a head coach and you've been a coordinator and you've coached every level and position imaginable. And I think the big thing is, is that you gotta, you gotta be able to pull it back and see everything from that 10,000 foot view. And, you know, I mean, there's times, there's times when, when I can think about a specific conversation I had with uh, a kid after practice, but I can't remember what our record was that season. Hey, you look at when guys get back, and that's the beauty about football. And I believe it's for multi-sport athletes. Man, they want to talk about football. And they talk about, man, if I could just go back and play one more time with my high school buddies. Because once it's over, you don't get in football leagues. No. <laughs> After, you know, you play softball, you play basketball, you play volleyball, and you get older. And that's great. But, you know, football, it's usually for 99% of the kids, it's done. And you miss it. And those who don't play, maybe they can't understand that. But there's just a bond. And, again, I just think it's so physically hard, so emotionally hard, so much work for so few games. No other, you know, baseball, you got 162 games. You know, basketball, you got a million games. But football, you, you work year-round, and, you, and then you get to play nine games. And if you're lucky, you get to play a little bit more. So, so yeah, that's it's, – it's just – um, I've just seen it so many times that kids, man, they love to talk about when they played and at practice and remember when this happened, it's not always about the games. Well, it's like the, uh, like the video clip I, I, I sent, uh, I, I just posted on Facebook and I put it on, on Twitter and our Instagram, just those moments when you get to screw it around and practice, you know, you're, I think we were going into the playoffs week, one of the playoffs, serious practice. And I'm like, it's getting too heavy here man we got to loosen this up you know and uh and and you know it's it's uh the the sport the sport is has has taught me the understanding of what work ethic is and and what it means to be a team builder because in today's and a lot of what we see in today's society doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on or what faith you believe in how much money you make or don't make it's it's a lot with, with the, the me, me, me society and, and in a football program. And I'm not saying a varsity team. I'm saying a program. That can't be the case. There's no one bigger than the program. And it's, you have to be totally unselfish. You can go plug one guy in five for basketball or put a guy at second base or shortstop and outfield who's never played that team, and they can go out and they can function pretty well. Football, not so easy. It's 11 guys on each side of the ball. And you have so much to learn before you can even go run a defense or play. And again, I just think that kind of makes it special. Uh, and I love all the sports, but I am partial to football. It's it's um, from yeah. uh, from 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 an X's and O's perspective, right? I mean, you're you're you can be pretty obsessive about 
X's and O's. I remember a lot of conversations we, we've had in the past saying, is this sound? Okay, you want to take this play out? Or you want to put this play in? What play are we going to take out? You well, know, things like that. Well, it's, it's about execution because people throw, people run, you know, spread in tight. It, it's, it's about it. And I still remember Bill Mack, block, tackle, hang on the football. So basically offense, defense, special teams, you know, you, you know, field position. Uh, but it, it's, I, I'm a, you got to run and throw and I, you've always got to be able to run, but if you can only run and not throw, there's some teams you're never going to beat. So I, you got to have a balance, but as far as you know how detailed I am and how much I expect for everything to be done, we're not going power counter zone. That's it. That's all I really ran in a little jet sweep. And but by gosh, we're going to be we're going to be awesome at it, and we're not going to think, and we're going to call the play so fast that uh, I know I'd have a hundred plays a day in practice, and you guys would <laughs> you guys are ready to kill me. But but we didn't, you know, they didn't breathe, and. If you can think of what you're supposed to do when, when you can hardly even breathe because we're going so fast, uh, the game is slow. But you you got to just – you can't do 8 million things and be great at it, I don't think. Uh, so that was always kind of my approach. But I like doing both very, very well. Oh, sure. Let's, let's, let's go back to, um, to, the, to the teaching stuff. So you went – so you went into teaching. Now, what, what were you teaching? Because you taught in a few different capacities. I taught business for a number of years. And, uh, and then I took a year. Because I, um, I wanted to do the weight room in PE. I'm, you know, I'm, I think all coaches are ADD for the most part. But, uh, you know, sitting in the classroom. But, you know, I enjoyed it because I was with kids and we're teaching. But. You know, being able to do PE the last 13 years of my career at, at Francis, I, I went back and got my uh, endorsement in that. And, you know, every day there in the classroom was just so much fun. And PE was just, uh, you know, we're, we're either in the weight room or we're playing games. And, you know, I guess I'm a kid at heart. And But I enjoyed going there every day to teach and be with the kids because, I had seniors most of the time there, and you know they're they're you know they feel like a decade older than a freshman, <laughs> and so you know you can communicate at a different level. So I you know what I, I had I had fun with them. You know we behaved, we did the rules, and then we played hard. You play hard, we, and uh, and we it re really just uh, and every and you can always talk about things that are important for living life successfully in the classroom and probably more so at a private school, which I was at than in the public school. Cause I could talk about God and faith and anything we wanted to. And my job wasn't to indoctrinate people. My, my job was to challenge them to think. And sure. I think that's what a teacher's supposed to do is challenge them to think, not tell them how they have to think. Uh, so that was my approach. And, you know, I, I do miss the classroom in that sense cause you just not, with the kids every day and and being a private school i won't say i had a small um slice of the pie or or demographic as far as these kids wanted to study they you know they dressed every day for pe it, it wasn't you know like a typical high school 
you know, public school now. Sure, just, there's so sure. many more challenges for the public school teachers uh, these days. Well, you know, the, I think the one big thing for, for you that's always been, no matter where you've gone, is you are, you will put all your eggs in the basket for off-season lifting. And, and the approach to, you know, not just physically what that, what that will do to somebody, but more so the big picture of things is, is that whole preparation in for that upcoming season and what that entails and what that does for them physically, mentally, you know, spiritually, behaviorally, all of it. Why don't you speak to that? Thanks. You know, that's amazing. I haven't brought that up because the weight room changes lives for football, for life. Uh, Coach Hagman from Glenbard West, you know, he's he's an awesome guy and and man, he is like that with the kids over the years. And and I spent all those years at 545 in the morning in the weight room waiting for the guys to get there four days a week. And first of all, you're getting up that early. Second of all, four days a week, it's just an hour, but you're making your body stronger. But I but more importantly, I tell the kids, it's not about getting bigger and faster and stronger, which is important. You're paying a price for something that's important to you. And we live in a day and time we want immediate gratification. If you work that hard all year round and you get hit in the mouth in August, you don't quit. You right. get up and you fight and you create value. And I tell them, guys, in life, anything you do, if you never pay a price and create value, it's never going to mean anything to you. So Coach Swider would always give this illustration, and I love it. I love it. He'd say, you know, there's a young man, 16 years old. Dad went out and bought him a $40,000 car and said, hey, here are the keys to your car. Love you, son. I want to bless you. And uh, big guy, 6'8", 330, comes up and says, give me the keys to your car. What, what does that guy do? He gives him the keys to the car. This other kid's 5'80", 180 pounds. He busted concrete for three or four summers, saved up every dime, and bought a $6,000 beater. <laughs> and that same big guy comes up to him and said, give me the keys to your car. And what does that kid do? He's smaller than the, the big kid. His daddy gave him a big, expensive car. And that little guy tears into that big guy and tears him to shreds. He didn't think about it. He didn't have a discussion about it. He didn't have to get people's opinion about it. His very life, his sweat and his blood from all that, he created value in a much cheaper car in a more expensive car had no value to that kid because it was given to him. And that's the off season. I'm so glad you said that. That is how you get your kids to play hard and never quit and hit people in the mouth. And because they're going to get hit in the mouth and guess what? I can't quit. It's not possible. You don't understand. I've paid such a price. It's not possible. You will have to kill me to beat me. And yeah. so the off season allows you to, to build relationships, to create value. Um, that's again, that's that blue collar thing that is just a part of me. I think in my DNA. Well, and it gives it gives uh, coaches the opportunity to to figure out who can we rely on, who can we rely on in the fall. I mean, whether that's whether that's, you know, your top tier linebacker or that's a kid who's fighting for a starting spot or fighting to get on the special teams, these are the kids you know you could depend on to be there every single day in practice and then in turn in the games. Yes, and that's – and sometimes the most talented aren't the ones who play. 
because they've never paid the price. If they pay the bigger price as the other kid, they're going to play ahead of them. That's just how it is. But that's that's the thing, great thing about football. For me, it's more of an art than a science because you have all these pieces. You have kids get hurt. You have a kid get suspended. You have, you know, something at home that happens, and it affects your practices. It affects your games. And you, you, it's. I guess I enjoy that part of it because we're always having to adjust. You know. Our quarterback got hurt the first play of the game. Guess what? Well, everything we did this week, we better be ready. We better have something else. And that's another thing I really like about football. It's just you've got to be able to, you know, adjust, adapt on a moment's notice because that's just the nature of the game. Yeah, the – the uh, well, and, and, you know, I, I think the game from the time you started coaching till now, I mean, the game has changed so much in terms of – I guess it is cyclical, right? I mean, we're seeing option football in different ways. We're seeing modifications of defense. And, and I think for me, that's, that's one of the beautiful parts about the game is the fact that this thing is always evolving and you have to learn to evolve to a certain extent, right? I mean, as a coach, you want to stick, you want to stick to your guns on certain things. It, it's always about blocking, tackling, and hanging on the football. But if you don't spread the ball out some, I love to run the ball, but I would go tight end you know, twins or pro set. And if I could beat you that way, I would never change. But, but I can still run the football, put four wide and put and get fewer guys in the box. And I still get thrown in the football. And I only have five blocks that can break down instead of six, seven or eight blocks. So I, I it, it's changed. And if you don't change and those things tactically somewhat, uh, you're not going to make it. You know, look at the NFL. It's going to more looking like college because there's, yeah. some, there's some really valid things about what they were doing, you know, spreading them out, getting them one-on-one. And, uh, you know, and again, back to Coach Bishop, he goes, look, man, I don't have any linemen, but I can spread them out and I can throw quick all day and they can try to run the whole game to get to my quarterback. But they're going to be worn out in the fourth quarter because we're going to do three-step over and over and if I've got one guy that's better than their corner, I can affect the game. Yeah. And that's kind of what it's evolved to in my eyes these days. The, um, what, other, uh, what other coaching experience do you have? Coaching any other sports? Uh, coach badminton for a year. I've enjoyed <laughs> that. Uh, I just really was a weight guy. I was in the weight room all year in football. Uh, so, uh, no, not really. You know, I just uh, – and I, and I pushed all my kids to play multiple sports. I just said, you're going to be here in the morning to lift with me. Sure. And, and I always seem to work that out with basketball and baseball. Why, why is that important for, for, your, for your athletes or for, for just all athletes in general to play multiple sports? Because life is too short. And I know the experience I had in football. And, and I see the experience that kids have in other sports that how dare I – be so selfish to take that experience away from them just because of football. But what I, what I can say is uh, we're going to lift. If it's two days a week in your season, we're, we've got to work it out with the coach because you're not going to quit lifting and getting better physically just because you're in another sport. And I really, I mean, I never had a problem with that with coaches. I was always able, they would see the changes in the kids and just say, all right, you go to Coach Bennett, and I don't have to fool with it, and I'll see you at practice after school. And um, 
So I was, I was part of their success somewhat and enjoyed that. I don't want to go to baseball, the basketball, whatever, uh, because, or track, because, man, I've been training them. I know I've affected their play and, and, and tell the coaches. So we're all in this together rather than just focusing on, hey, you know, the baseball guys were the hardest guys to convince because lifting makes you worse at baseball. Well, now we know that's not true. And, uh, but they start hitting home runs. Um, and the coach was like, wow. And he's lifting four corners a week. I let him lift. I let this player of mine lift four days a week. <laughs> we broke the home run record by two and a half times of the all-time school record, like three years in a row. So, uh, you know, that, those were the hardest buy-ins. But I just don't think that's as big a deal these days. I, I don't think there's that big a deal at Lombard South as much as like it used to be 25, 30 years ago. You know, uh, you're going to hurt your shot in basketball. You're going to, you, you know, you're not going to be able to swing and hit the ball with the bat or pitch. And, and uh, if Michael Jordan could lift the day in the NBA finals, then our kids can lift <laughs> during their, their season. But I would never take away that experience because they might win – the regional or sectional and basketball or baseball. And I could never do that, but I would expect them, you know, to show up in the weight room during their season, just like our season. And, and, you know, going, and I think some of the, the morning lifting, you know, at least in, 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 in my neck of the woods is, is going away a little bit. I believe Glenbard West does it a little bit. Um, I know out here in my neighborhood, Oswego East does it, but it seems like a lot of, uh, schools programs are building it into the day through their through their uh, through their PE classes, and I know you you kind of feel you could you're, you're either with it you're you're against it a little bit, but uh, what's your feeling on them uh, being able to lift during the day as opposed to coming in in the morning? I I'm all for it being in PE classes. I am, so that it's we're not taking more out of their their day. I'm all for that, but it, it's got to be done. There's a way to lift you know, to improve athletic performance. And there, there are ways to not do that. So that would be my, my only, but if you can put it in the curriculum, that's the way I would do it. All right, I meant to bring water and I didn't. That's okay. Uh, the, no, uh, it, it's, well, it's better for the kid, it's better for everybody if it's, if it's in class during the day, why not? Yeah. Well, we, I have band. we have band during the day every day, don't we? We do have band during the day. Okay. All right. Sorry. Yes, yes, we, yes, we do. Okay. Um, so would you, would you say, would you say football is, is still, is still a passion for you? Coaching it, watching yeah. it, is it yeah, still a passion? Know, I've been busy this fall, so I don't know how I'm going to react about not coaching like when we're not traveling so much um yeah i don't know i don't i wish i i getting back from the trip from out west it started hitting me some you know talking to you today kind of hits me um you know i i don't know if opportunity presents itself and i feel it's the right situation um but right now let's say next fall let's say last part of august and september i want to be up in glacier national park for four or five weeks <laughs> hiking in the mountains so i don't know if the boss if she's going to let me do that 
But uh, right now, my plans are to do that next year. But, you know, I I won't say no to it, but I, I just, uh, the one plus about it is the stress. And a lot of it's self-imposed, you know that. But a lot of it comes from expectations from parents, administrators, our coaching staffs, everything. You know, it, it's just because um, everybody's passionate about what they believe. And uh, I'm thinking within the staff, and you know, but you have to balance that. And that's stressful. But, you know, kids messing up, you know, or a parent's unhappy and they really don't know the situation. Or um, it's just, man, you know it's the stress level can be incredible and and maybe more than not is self-imposed but i just think that's how we are as coaches if we care about being being good at what we do well we've always talked about it's it's like being addicted to an 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 awful drug right i mean not not that i have a comparison to that personally but i mean it's it's the truth it's where you you it doesn't matter if you know you got an opportunity to win by 100 or lose by 1000 there's a certain way successful programs prepare and successful coaches prepare. And it's incredibly time consuming and stressful on the kids, the families, the coaches, the families of the coaches. Everybody, but yet we want to do it. And everybody thinks they're an expert in football. And, you know, you know, and because there's such a passion for the game, that's not a bad thing, but you know, the guy can say, well, you should, well, you know what? You come out and coach these kids. You know, I would love to do that if I had the kids that could do that. I, I know how to coach. I'm a pretty decent coach, okay? But I still got to have some players. But, you know, that's why I look back at, at, at East Aurora so fondly is that I knew we were going to lose most Friday nights. But I will tell you, I never put in one last minute preparing each week because that's just not, it's just not in my DNA. Well, it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not in your DNA. It's not fair for the kids. Exactly. Oh, and, and, and in, in the end, we, we coach football for selfish reasons because we're obsessed with the game and it fulfills that obsession. But then when you're there, when you're there, it's about saying, Hey, you know what? I, I am the boss here. Right. You need to do this right. If you want an opportunity to play, you want to get paid on Friday with, you know, and to a lot of kids, that payday is literally just being able to suit up and get on the field and contribute. Some people, it's just suiting up. But either way, you want to have an opportunity to wear that uniform or play in a, in a down. And there's something about Friday nights and parents come out and former players come out and aunts and uncles and family members come out on Friday night to watch this game that we all love and are crazy about. And and we all lose our minds sometimes, whether it's coaches, players, or, or parents, you know, because it's a wonderful thing. I mean, uh, it's, yeah, it's, I, I, you know, I don't like talking about this right now because I've been good. You know, I've been addicted to football and I, I haven't had time to think about it a whole lot. And, uh, and with COVID, football got delayed. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in Indiana, we're in week nine in the high school season. Yes, yeah, so week nine. The NFL just started a few weeks ago. College, some of them haven't even started. So I haven't had all those things coming at me as as soon as I normally would in the fall. Right. So, so you, I mean, you did you did coach a few years at, at Twin Lakes High School in town. Yeah, for with my, with my son. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, what a great way if I don't ever coach again. I was there with Danny and, and he played quarterback and 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 did a nice job, you know. And he was a solid, solid player. And uh and you know, that made it a lot easier to not do anything this fall. And uh but you know, that time with him I coached him in seventh and eighth grade at Wheaton Rams and I ran our offense from Gullenbard South and I was reload get on the ball then the kids would say reload and i made them do rep after rep as many as we could per unit of time and that was a lot of fun because those kids man they bought in and if seventh and eighth graders can learn it and do it uh then anybody can so what's what's it been like for you know the for the high schools down there with with covid have there been cancellations have there been reschedules how how has that worked how has it worked itself out well um, a number of schools um, have played, or a few schools have played three or four games. Uh, the school that, uh, uh, Twin Lakes, they've actually played, uh, they're playing their eighth game out of nine. One week they didn't get to play, but three of their other games got canceled and they had to schedule someone like on Monday or Tuesday to play that Friday that they've never played or, or was not on the schedule. So a number of schools that we just had to adjust is if they had an outbreak at their school, that that school wasn't playing football that week. And because um, there's been a number of schools that have had that, it's really been a lot less than I thought it would be. But people have adjusted and say, hey, if you're free, let's play a game. And so that's, you know, to, to get eight out of the nine games during the regular season, although three of them were not scheduled, no, they were replacement games. A lot of schools have really uh, just adapted and they're playing and the play, uh, this Friday is week nine and then the playoffs start next week. And uh, so, yeah, that's, um, I've been surprised at how many games have been played. And, yeah. and it just seems, it seems like it happened earlier in the season rather than later in the season. It seems like for whatever reason, uh, there's not as many teams missing games now. So. I'm sure that's that's one headache you're glad you don't have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Well, it's, uh, but like I said, football, it's an art. It's not science. We're always adjusting. You just never know, and you got to be able to adjust. And this has been one heck of adjustment that I never that any of us could ever imagine. But uh, I mean, I feel bad for Illinois. Uh, I wish they could have tried to play it in in some type of of manner, and I hope it happens in the spring for you guys. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, the kids need that. And and the truth is, grade school kids and high school kids are not dying from COVID. I don't care if that bothers somebody. It's just, that's the data. That's the truth. And uh, it's it, there's a lot of other side effects that are bad for kids that have been, I believe, have been happening because we, we've shut things down to a point. You're not even yeah. in school yet. You haven't been into your school yet to teach this year, have you? Well, I've gone in every day to to teach. I've I been mean, with with the students. Oh, no, we building. yeah, we start October. We start October nineteenth. So on on next Monday is when kids are going to come in, starting with the hybrid the schedule. First time all year. And yeah, Indiana. They've been in school the whole time. Well, and they it's, wear masks, and there's there's really very little problem. It's a hard, um, you know, obviously different different 
different state, you know, depending on, you know, without getting into the politics, whoever, right. whoever, you know, whoever the governor is or whatever, you know, whoever's overseeing that, that school district, that school organization, it's going to kind of determine things because we've got new Trier high school up here that just shut down and they had very few cases. Um, okay. You know, we, we've had, uh, we, we've had some cases in the local high schools with, with students getting uh, testing positive, but it wasn't because of a school related activity. Sure. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it all shakes down. I'm looking forward to getting the kids back in the building and seeing my, my students and seeing the players and, and physically being able to say hello to somebody uh, as, as opposed to, as opposed to a computer. And, and in your area, area of teaching, uh, we know your kids need to see you guys. Yeah. Probably every day they can because of, of, you know, teaching special ed, uh, God bless you. Cause that's, you know, that's not my calling. <laughs> and I mean that, I mean that, like, I just, you people who do that, it's, uh, it's amazing to me because I think you got to be called and, and have a makeup uh, and love to do that. Sure. Every day is different. Every day is different. No, no, no one day is the same. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, sometimes it's the wild west and sometimes it's as easy as pie and everything in between. But um, do you, you know, so one thing I, I ask a lot of people who've been there and done that and, and you're one of them is, someone who's going into education and going into education and coaching, you know, someone who's in college or a high school student or someone who's maybe looking to kind of change career paths like you did, you know, what, what, what are the pros and cons of, of going into the world of education and going into the world of, of coaching? I, I think it's so much harder for both for teaching things. Teachers, teachers are expected to do when, their own families aren't expected to do that with their own kids. Um, I, I, just with administration now, with, with most sports programs, I, I don't see the support like it used to be. Uh, I, I, it's really discouraging and disheartening on one hand. But on the other hand, man, I, I, I would still say I would teach and I would coach and I would learn to adjust even with the way things are today, because if that's what you're meant to do and that's your passion, you won't be happy. I could have made a million dollars a year, but never been happy. I mean, I'm sure I would have been able to figure it out somehow, but, but I, that's what I felt like I was called to do. And I, my son's going to teach and coach and I, it's just a different world and you have to adjust. And I still, I hope good people like yourself, and, and young people that I've known that um, they're thinking about doing that, do it because uh, you're, you're putting your life into people. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not plastic. It's, it's, you're, you're investing your life into other people, into young people. And I would still encourage everyone that feels that that's what they should do in spite of what I see makes it a lot harder for teachers and coaches, uh, it's a great life, and it's um, it's a great for your family. Because mm -hmm. of uh, not that we have as much time off in the summer as being football coaches anymore, but uh, I mean I would limit summers to two weeks and say that's it, people. That's how you get to see your kids. You can go lift weights, but at some point it becomes an arms race, 
Well, I'll tell you. And it's out of balance. And that's from someone who would do it every day of the summer. Sure. I mean, and, and I would, how we've evolved with, you know, our summer camp that we were allowed to have under, under these COVID guidelines and then our fall, and then our fall practice, our contact days that we just had those, those, those 10 days, I'll tell you what, I mean, how we ran things during those four, four weeks in total, those, those 15, 20 days is how we're going to do it. I, it was, it was all about learning and skills, learning and skills, because that, that the football season is a grind and it's awful on, on, on the kids' bodies and it, it's emotionally draining. And uh, Oh, yeah, another, another phrase of mine. I can't believe I have it. I also got from Bill, my, Bill Mack. You must be assignment perfect. You got to be assignment perfect. perfect. And you've heard that a million times probably in your sleep from me. I, but uh, you got to be assignment perfect. And yep. what you're saying there is, we can spend a lot of time doing a lot of other things that aren't necessarily, if you're not assignment perfect, you're, you're a minus. You're a minus. You, you can't do the right thing. It's already a minus. So uh, focusing on things like that, um, you don't have to beat them up so much. I never was for that. You, you've got to have a period of time to play physical during the week. But I probably did less than a lot of people, which is probably surprising to some. <laughs> but, um, but yes. Be wiser, be more efficient with the time with the kids to accomplish your goals. Absolutely. So, when when I told uh, when I told a few people that you were going to be coming on the podcast, they started they started shooting me text messages about some of their favorite Coach Bennett phrases. Oh, mercy! We got we got Dad Gummit. Dad Gummit. That's yeah. Uh, we got. Uh, I'm gonna trade you for a, I'm gonna trade you for a dog and shoot the dog. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna trade you for a dog and shoot the dog. I forgot I, about that. One. I'll tell you what I use that <laughs> I use that so much with I, I shouldn't say so much with um, the the football kids, but I will say it. But now we're at the point where some of my seniors have heard it since they were a freshman, and all I gotta say is I'm gonna trade you for a dog, and, and then someone it. else says, and we're gonna shoot the dog. <laughs> or or my son or my son will will hear that and he'll he'll repeat the ending of the phrase that's yeah i like that one i have but, to admit you know it was it was funny it was funny when you when you first started coaching at glenbard west and none of the coaches at west swore i mean when we were when we were kids and still i mean i i've never worked with with a swear right someone who's always yeah. using using those that language but uh you you definitely made a point of not swearing. And I remember looking to one of my good buddies saying, ah, this guy must have gone to Wheaton College. He does not – he sounds like Coach Salen. He sounds like Coach McCarroll. Um, you know, I coached there, but uh, yeah. I didn't go there. Yeah. But they would probably have liked me to swear sometimes and not yell as much. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it was a great year. And you're, the line – you know, I saw you turn from this little puppy who was scared to death of me. I think that's fair. Sure. A freaking all-conference lineman. And, you know, just hang with me, guys, and, and, and trust me. And that, that line, talk about having to adjust. Sure. Uh, but because we flipped the line, I'd never done that. And But we had some guys who could flat-out play. And we had a couple of guys that they didn't have the ability of some of you guys, like you and Johnny Gillen. Tim Neuter and some of those guys, and 
uh, but we adjusted and, and man, we blocked people. It was fun. You guys tell them what we're running this play. I remember telling you guys, and you say, yeah, you got the fields. Hey, we're running power this play. Stop it. <laughs> right. Didn't that happen? And it oh, was sure. fun. It was, that was, that was a fun group, man. You guys got real good. The, you know, the one, the one thing that, uh, the one thing that I always take away from being coached by you and coaching with you is holding kids accountable and, you know, in, in making them give us an answer for things that they do or things that they don't do, whether it was on the field or off the field. And, um, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that, uh, you know, holding everyone accountable. And, and for you, it didn't matter if it was the 50th guy in the depth chart or the top guy in the depth chart. I was probably always harder on the best players throughout my career because, you know what, if they're going to take it, uh, then the other guys, you know what, he, he doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. If, if you do wrong, he's going to, the best player ever coached, I'm not going to say his name, but I was talking to him this summer and he goes, you were my first college coach. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, you're my first college coach. I just had you in high school. And, uh, and he played in the NFL for a few years, but we were laughing. He goes, yeah, man, you were, you were all over me. And I said, I said, and you were the best player, weren't you? He goes, yeah. So, so anyway, I, and I'm not saying that's fair, but that's just the best players got, they mess up, they're going to get it just like everybody else. Yeah. So I, I think that means something to the other players. I do. Well, coach, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing a bunch of stuff with us and, you know, this was, this was fun. I'm not going to say this is, this is definitely the first, hopefully it's not the last, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we'll get you coming back from Glacier National or you coming off the field from a game next fall. We'll see. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. This makes it harder to, to not want to coach football talking with you. Uh, or you could just, or you could just consult for, for, for schools. Just give me access to your huddle. I'll tell you everything you're doing wrong. There you go. <laughs> a lot less stressful. A lot less stress. Well, Coach, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank, thanks for, for having me. And a very special time, you know, with you, Ryan, to, to do this and share anything I, I get to. Because, you know, you've been one of those guys that, you know, that I've been close to for, my, for most of my career. And uh, – the greatest thing is to watch you on Facebook with you and your wife and your, your, your kids. And um, you've done a great job, I think, much better than I did with mine. So uh, keep that up, man. Hey, I appreciate it, Coach. I appreciate it. Till next time. Thanks again to Coach Bobby Bennett for coming on the podcast and stepping out of your comfort zone. I really appreciate it. Next week, we've got Jeremy Cordell. Jeremy is the head football coach at Lincoln Way Central High School in New Lenox, Illinois. Coach Cordell's previous stops were at Glenbard South, where he was the head coach for five seasons, and I was uh, one of his assistants. Uh, prior to that, he was at Glenbard West High School as the defensive coordinator. Uh, coach Cordell has, has worked in schools in a bunch of different capacities from being a dean to being a Spanish teacher and now in his uh, current position that he's held for many years even prior to Lincoln Way is a PE teacher. He is a very passionate man who's got incredible energy and I can't wait for you guys to uh, listen to what he has to say. 
Please subscribe to the Ryan Chrissy podcast and make sure you leave us a review and a recommendation. And until next time.